cliffcentral.com. So we've got a really interesting guest, someone called Tabang Squambani. We actually met a long, long time ago. I'll tell you how in a moment. But he is the group CEO of the Nahana Communications Group. He's a well-known social activist, social entrepreneur, philanthropist, and businessman with a flair for successfully combining capitalist and philanthropic principles. That is a skill that the world sorely needs, where you can get uh, both of those groups, which sometimes seem to be diametrically opposed, to be working together. He's done some incredible work. We'll talk about some of that in a moment or two, and also what the challenges are of his particular business and all the other businesses that he's been involved in over the years, um, including, I'm sure, a couple of, of real insights into what the future might hold. And that's what I'm excited to talk to him about. His name is Tabang Squambani. It is so good to see you, Tabang. Nice to have you on the show. Thank you very much for your time. Hi there, Gareth. Nice to, uh, nice to be with you as well. Thank you very much. So um, you want to tell everybody where we first met or, or, or you want me to? Because it was in an interview. It was, rather. And, and uh, I, I think I was in tears at the time, to be very honest. <laughs> you, I'll let you, you had continue good, from there. Yeah, you had good reason to be. I mean, you, you were trying to get around um, Africa. You, were, you made your way from Johannesburg to Kilimanjaro. And you survived only on the generosity of other people. You didn't take anything with you. You didn't take any money with you. You made it. But by that point, I think you were just so mentally and physically and emotionally exhausted. And obviously the feeling of, of, of triumph and success that you'd actually got right what you'd set yourself this audacious goal of achieving. I think that you were, you were probably very, very emotional the last time we spoke, justifiably. Absolutely. Uh, very, very emotional, actually. So uh, I think I burst into tears uh, when you said, how do you feel? <laughs> yeah. You know, when I asked, uh, I remember there was an interview with, I think it was the former mayor of Cape Town. And someone said to him, how do you feel? And he said, with my hands, <laughs> which was the best answer I've ever heard. <laughs> but yeah, but yours, was, yours was better. I was about to say, I said, if, I, if I was feeling with my hands that day, it would be far better because I was feeling with my heart at that moment. Uh, <laughs> listen, you are a guy with enormous heart. And, you know, we've always been sold this idea that people in business and especially people in advertising are kind of cynical. Um, they're, they're sort of automatons. They don't really have any any real soul. Everything is about the bottom line, especially people who've done as well as you have. Um, that's not true. I mean, you you, right from the outset, have done things in your career that have proven that you can be a, a solid person who's down to earth, who's in touch with your own and other people's feelings. And you can also deliver on the bottom line. They don't have to be separate things, right? Not at all. Um, I think, I think it's, it's, it, it's, it's the harder path, you know, and it's the path less traveled without a doubt, but the, the end result is far better. Uh, you know, once you, once you, work it all out. And I think it starts with people and, and advertising is about creativity and, and, and creatives are, um, uh, uh, I, I'm going to add myself to this. Uh, we're an odd bunch in the creative industries. And uh, it's one of those things that if you don't lead with heart, you, you, you don't get the kind of results that come out of uh, running a creative services business. Listen, you have a, a really extensive CV, and I just want to go right back to the beginning because there's a, there's a line of questioning I'm going to get into now, which I, I don't think is covered nearly enough. But after you graduated from UCT, you actually started working with Mark Shuttleworth in crypto certification. I mean, 
this is not yeah. a this is not the first option of career for the average black guy in South Africa. How did you even explain that to your friends and family? Because I know advertising is tough enough. You know, I know a lot of people in advertising. Some of them are slightly older and some of them are slightly younger. But when they tell their parents what they do, they're like, hmm? <laughs> um, listen, I, I didn't tell my parents what I was doing at that point. I actually just said it was the internet. <laughs> it was enough. <laughs> Uh, but you, know, you, still, you still probably got looks, right? And they, they still had this uh, confusion because, I mean, it, it, even today, if you talk to people about things like crypto authentication, that's yeah. not an easy thing to explain. No, not at all. Listen, public key, private key encryption was, was, uh, was, was quite a complicated uh, um, uh, issue at that point. You know, everyone was, it was, it was kind of the, the dark side of the, the internet, as everyone thought, but actually, to be honest, it, it brought the light to the internet because what it, what no one knows is that in order to do any transaction on the internet, you need to bootstrap SSL to this, which is called Secure Socket Layer. So that was right. what we were doing. We were, we were enabling this security feature, which actually brought the light to the internet, not the dark. Well, obviously, well, it also enabled some of the dark as well. But but these days we don't even realize when this SSL certificates start working in the background. That's, That's something it. that you. You know, we, we, we go onto certain websites and it just auto, automatically kicks in. That was something that you were there for the beginning. Amazing. Correct, yeah. You actually, you actually needed to go and buy a certificate and then, and then uh, bootstrap it to your, to your, your, uh, your URL. And, and, and it was quite an interesting it – it's it such an interesting time because Mark Shuttleworth, he was a crazy guy that, that, that was super smart, almost genius level. And, uh, you know, what I enjoyed about working with him was he just introduced a whole new world. And, and, and that's when I fell in love with technology as well. And I realized technology is an enabler of things that, that, that's beyond our, our imaginations, actually. So I, I don't want to spend the whole interview talking about business and advertising and all of that stuff when we don't really have a full grasp of the kind of journey that you've walked in your life. And I always find it fascinating to hear people's stories, especially when you know, with the benefit of hindsight, we look back and we go, wow, this, this guy, uh, an improbable boss of a, of a communications group, actually. But, I mean, there must have been hints for you when you were young. What did you want to be when you were a kid, ending up with, you know, crypto certification? <laughs> I mean, these are not things that people dream. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, to be honest, I, I wanted to be an actor. Um, hmm. But I had black parents, and, and they were like, acting? <laughs> you can't make money acting? And I was like, but you can. And they were like, no, black black people don't make money acting. My dad, my dad was an engineer, so he was like, you have to be a, a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant. Yeah. So I became an accountant. But but then, I mean, explain how you ended up in advertising because your, your advertising story is also fascinating. And, and once more, this is a subject, as I hinted at earlier, that many black parents would go, hell no, I don't understand what that is, and my kid's not going to do that. That's a waste of time. So, so um, a number of years back, so I, I, I was studying overseas and, and, and was finishing a, a, a mid-career master's, and once I'd done that, I came back and uh, connected with a chap called Guy Lieberman, um, and mm -hmm. he was building this giant flag <laughs> that's made out of desert succulents outside of Frafrenet. And he mm -hmm. wanted some assistance with how to, how to you know, put this thing together. So him and I kind of partnered up on it. And he was working for a company at the time called FCB Africa. And nice. I met a guy called Brett Morris. 
And it so happened that myself and another guy called Joey Kabutlu, who's the who's also part of this business as well, um, and I were in business together. And uh, all of us connected uh, on a on a on a higher level, I think, on a higher level. And um, at, at a certain point, at the launch of the Giant Flag, um, Brett, about a week later, the MD of FCB. Uh, Joburg resigned and Brett asked me to come join the business and the rest as they say is history but it's not really history because um, yeah I told Brett I hate ads and uh, and then he did the Jedi mind trick on me like a good ad guy would do and he asked me which are my favorite ads and I, and I reeled off a few favorite ads like an idiot and he responded by saying well those are all made by FCB so, you know, it was the Sassel Glug Glug ad. It was the Yebo Gogos. And I was like, oh, wow, seriously. And he said, well, that's what we need. We need people who have a, have a, have a, um, sorry, who have a standard that they're not willing to budge on. And we don't want to make crap ads. And we don't want to make, you know, you hate advertising because you hate bad ads. And mm-hmm. we're not meant to be making bad ads. So you're the right guy to run this business. And, and that, that was seven years ago. I know, and, and you don't want to spend too much time going down memory lane, but you were also in banking for a long time, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, great period of time, actually, to learn about business, to learn about things, but it's, it's a, it's a, it, was, it, was, it was a great, like I said, it was a great learning curve period, um, but not necessarily the most uh, uh, soul, soulfully rewarding period. It was, it was sure. definitely a learning period rather than, so it was all mental uh, cerebral rather than it was uh, uh, um, emotional. You know, uh, Tabang, I did say at the start of the discussion that you're one of those people who manages to combine the, the making money part of business with the doing good part of business, which so many companies these days are starting to realize is integral to their success and to their the perception of what success looks like in, in this day and age. But I suppose for you, maybe that that journey really started with Kailo Simply Healthcare, right? That's it. Um, and, and this, this is a again. You talk about timing when you spoke about being at Standard Bank or being at FCB and meeting the people that you did when you when you took over there. Uh, we we now seem to kind of be a bit blasé about HIV and AIDS in South Africa because we've had such tremendous success with the rollout of antiretrovirals and. You know, we've almost forgotten those days where it was still a death sentence for so many people. We, we did lose many people unnecessarily early on. And obviously, we've evolved and medicines evolved. But when you saw this as a problem and when you started to see that this was a solution that needed people and creativity and, 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 and caring, um, it wasn't, it wasn't the sexiest subject and it wasn't an easy thing to tackle. And, and yet in exactly that moment, just like so many people who've read the tea leaves right during COVID, for example, and seen that the more dire the circumstances, the more valuable that opportunity to take something and make it better actually is. Tell us about the, the founding of, of this, of Kayalo. Yeah, so I mean, it it it, it was an interesting start. I, I was I was working in London um, uh, for Standard Bank, and and uh, I, I, you know, uh, Tabo Mbeki was saying that HIV doesn't cause AIDS, and I was incensed. And obviously, I was getting it as a vox pop, you know, in on on, on the BBC and on Sky and all, all of that kind of stuff. And 
I, I was talking to a friend of mine, Justin Savage, and I said, oh, it's crazy. How can he say that? He's an embarrassment to the country. Mm. And what's just funny is he turned around and he said, you know, who are you to criticize the country? You're sitting in, in, in the UK. Um, and he actually said, on your fat black ass. Um, and and I, at, at, at that time, I was actually really fat as well because I was the, 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 the London, the, the London, the Heathrow expansion had, had, had occurred. Anyway, so I got super mad at him, and I came back, and and um, you know, I, in a in a in a heated argument, we we kind of were like, yeah, well, we would live. I'll show you. I'm going to show you, and mm-hmm. and we showed each other by getting into business together and starting Kailo, and we knew nothing about the problem, um, and really, we you know, I had he had some insurance um, background and. So he brought in the sort of health insurance side of things, and he knew how to leverage the co-funded model. And that's what we brought. We brought some uh, some intuitive, uh, sorry, not intuitive, some um, in, inventive co-funding uh, operations to to HIV and AIDS in the workplace in particular. That's now expanded to become a, a, a quite a comprehensive healthcare business. Um, and and yeah, they, they now do low-income. Um, Effectively, low-income medical scheme work for for people on the, on the on the lower end of the pyramid. Um, uh, uh, you know, cr- across the country, they're actually one of the largest low-income medical scheme providers in the country, and very under the radar, just getting on with the job. Um, brilliant group of people, but it was the most amazing period of time. Uh, we, we the four people that that started in the business together, a guy called Dale Jackson, a lady by the name of Hester Montusi from Esalen Clinic. She was the specialist. Uh, Dale was kind of like our ops guy, um, and Justin and I were the the sales guys trying to figure out how to put this thing together, and and yeah, just learned from scratch. Um, it was a humbling experience as well. Uh, Hester said, "You don't know HIV until you stare a dying man in the in the face," and she took me and and shoved my face in front of a dying man and and, and said, "This is what it is," and I cried and cried for days after that. I was devastated and. Um, I'll never forget that you know that instead of staring a person in the in the face, you just hold their hands, and that's that's something that's that I've learned um, ever since. That that you know people just they don't want to die alone, and and you eventually you do, unfortunately. But just having someone there to hold your hands, and in those days, people really abandoned those that were dying of HIV. So it was a tough time, but it was it was an incredible period to. To grow as a person, a young man in that space, um, who, by the way, was you know, not paying attention to anything, wasn't playing safe, wasn't doing anything right in terms of how to how to behave, um, and it was, yeah, we brought we brought new meaning to to healthcare for 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 corporates. You know, as a banker, I knew how to talk to the finance guys. I knew what they were looking for. They were looking for savings, so we had to prove savings, and and at the same time, we we did good. Um, so it was a lovely period of time as a social entrepreneur. Well, I mean, you know, your work continues to do good because uh, Kaelo is still there, a healthcare company that's um, mostly right. focused on HIV and AIDS. But it's become one of South Africa's leading wellness providers. Uh, and, and in primary healthcare, you know, it's still top of the pops, which is amazing. So, you know, looking back, that must give you a, a huge amount of, 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 you know, personal satisfaction. But even more than that, uh, the fact that that so many people have had their lives changed for the better is um, that that you can't put a number to, you know that doesn't come into the into the boardroom or into the balance sheet. That's just an incredible thing that you that you can always 
have in your head and your heart. It's special. Uh, that's right. I did, I did want to say one thing, though. Um, we, we, we haven't made as much of an inroad into, into HIV and AIDS as, as it looks. Um, we've, got, we've got an incredibly high number of people that are not adherent to the, to the antiretroviral treatments, ALTs, um, especially men uh, living with HIV who are afraid to access the healthcare system, who don't know that it's actually a very, very easy thing to engage. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm just putting it out there to everyone listening. Um, please, please, please let it be said that it's not a, a death sentence at all. Um, we have such amazing um, uh, treatments now. The one pill a day treatment is actually out and is, is, free, is freely available in our, in our healthcare system. Um, it's so convenient now, actually. You can even get your drugs delivered once you, once you qualify. Um, it's called Double Up Med. So you can even, if, you, if you're adherent and, and, and you're doing well out of the clinic, you, know, you can get your drugs delivered to your home now. Um, or even collected at the local disc game or clicks or wherever you want to go to. So it's a, it's so much more convenient than it ever was before, but it really is up to us to make a decision to change the, the narrative. No, this is a very important thing. And, and um, you know, despite the fact that there are now ways for people to live with HIV and to live very happy, very successful, very uh, productive and, and very enjoyable lives, um, sometimes you could take a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. And I'm, I'm glad that you're just reminding people that, uh, you know, we, we, we really want everybody to, uh, to, to not only feel that they're not sentenced to death, as was the case for so many people before ARTs, uh, but, but also as EDT anyway, and, and the others, but, mm. but also that, that all of this is, it's part of a general movement forward. And, you know, Tabang, I get the feeling that you and I are, on the same page when it comes to our outlook on the world. I mean, there are a lot of negative things going on in the world every day, and the news is all about negativity, you know, war in Ukraine and Russia, all of this stuff. But my goodness, when you take stock of how far we've come, just in South Africa, let alone in humanity, and and the way that so many people are now able to access healthcare that was unavailable um, just a couple of years ago to, to most poor people in South Africa, uh, the fact that we have, despite all of the, of the, the challenges that we do have in South Africa, there are so many things to be grateful for. And we just never seem to take stock. We always start from a new zero and think, oh, well, if everything below that zero isn't absolutely 100% right, that somehow we're missing out, right? Yeah, I, I, Gareth, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of the South African perspective, right, which is, is kind of to embrace the negative um, and say, I'm, I'm happy to live here in this negative environment, this negative yeah. mindset. Um, and it's such a, a, you know, I don't want to be, be, be sounding all smart and everything, but that's the pejorative view of, of, of everything. That's kind of wearing the wrong lens at the end of the day, because in reality, if you just look around you, we're, we're a miracle unfolding rather than a miracle that happened in the past. We actually are a miracle unfolding. Even, even last year, you know, if you look at it, people are like, oh, we have to leave the country. You know, it's rioting and all that kind of, you know, people looting. It was, it was, it's, it's terrible. And if yet you can see a group of people who, who actually could have continued to run rampant, actually hold themselves back and, 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 and return back to Norman. I think that's a huge uh, commendation to uh, the society we live in. And, and no, it wasn't right for people to do it in the first place. And, it, and, 
Um, one would say it's abhorrent to, to, to have behaved like that, but at the same time, it's hard for a mob to, to pull back and withdraw from their own uh, reckless behavior. So I look at it and go, what a, what a positive that is. Over and above that, there's so many other things. And every time we look at the negative, we, we like to dwell on it only. But when you look around you, you can see that there's just Im- immense amounts of positivity. We've been through nine years of a corrupt government. And, and, you know, the number of issues that we have to deal with to, to, to overcome it and the impatience to overcome it because we want to look at it as a negative. So we look at the, the, the current government, and, oh, it's terrible. They're not solving yeah. the problem. You, right. can't, you can't undo nine years of corrupt practices in, in, in one year or even two years. It takes nine more years to actually undo the damage that was done. And then only do you get to recover properly because, they, they, you know, that was looting. That was devastation. But, again, we managed to get through it. Imagine that. We got through a, a, an incredibly corrupt, incorrigible uh, president. And, and consider, I mean, you know, just uh, less than 30 years ago, the state that everybody thought we would be in and, yeah. and the fact that we're, all, we're still here and, and South Africans are tremendously resilient. And we, do, we have this habit of believing what the media sell us about how we all hate each other and there's no public trust and there's no social compact and all of that stuff. But when you see taxi drivers and gogos and... Uh, and housewives in Morningside and all of them getting together to kind of protect shopping centers and allow people to get basic things like food during those riots. And you see neighborhoods banding together to protect kids and, you know, keep schools open and that kind of thing. You suddenly realize there are, uh, it's, it's a ratio of, it must be like 99 to one of just good South Africans are trying to live their lives. And obviously in every society, you get one or two people are going to try and mess with that. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's, and, and you know what? Sometimes good people get caught up in, in doing bad things because it's the wave. Um, and, and you know what? I think every South African who did get caught up in that needed to reflect on, on their own behaviors and, and ask themselves, is this the kind of, uh, do I want my children, do I want my family to look at me and go, this is the way I behave? I don't think people would do that. And I don't think South Africans would do that um, in general. But you know, like you were saying, what we saw was the courage of the, the average citizen when, when our military and our, and our police force didn't step up. And we right. saw this courage that came from the people who, by the way, we hoot and swear at and we get road rage with. Mm-hmm. The taxis and the taxi associations were incredible. They, they drove the response to this thing. And I think it just, it's a testament to the fact that they're a really important part of our society and we shouldn't exclude them. We should rather work with them, you know, let them... Yeah. And they're, they're, making they're, money. they're probably one of the best research groups in the world. They, they, they see passengers every day. They know what ordinary people's concerns are. They know what things cost. And uh, they're a lobby group that should be taken a lot more seriously, too. Do you remember when the taxi, mm. the taxi industry told government that they could or couldn't make certain COVID laws in the beginning? I thought that was a real statement of power. <laughs> this, is a, this is an important and influential group of people. We must not treat them badly. With disrespect, correct. I mean, think about all the things that they've managed to avo- keep uh, avoid. Um, mm. What's that thing called again? The the e tolls. So you know they were yeah. there for the e tolls. They were there. They've, so they've, they've, comes, if it comes to civil disobedience or even just people standing <laughs> up for their own rights, you know, civil society initiatives, if you don't have the taxi people on your side, you're just not going to get anywhere. That's Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so. Um, 
I, I just because we're talking about all the, the 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 things that happened in in July last year, I think it's also valuable here to bring in the Aluani Foundation, which is the reason yes. that you and I spoke um, all those years ago when you went all the way to Kilimanjaro, six thousand kilometers. Let me remind everybody, um, across six countries, you raised a huge amount of money for orphans and vulnerable children. Another amazingly vulnerable group in South Africa and a group that doesn't get as much attention as they should. You know, we talk every year and the politicians give lots of lip service to many different causes, but we have orphans and vulnerable children all across this country who are desperate and who, who need any amount of help, love, care, time, mm. resources that they can get. You raised a, a ton of money for them. You currently in the Aluani foundation have over 3,500 kids that you look after um, you know, I sometimes when I'm feeling sorry for myself, I go, oh, well, I pay tax and I'm looking for uh, after 16. You know how it goes. I'm looking after 16 kids that I didn't even choose to have. And here you are and people in Aluani who have been looking after three and a half thousand kids. That's now that's something that uh, you could be proud of. Yeah, I mean, at, at, and it's and it's certainly not 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 me. It's the uh, it's the caregivers. It's the people that work in the foundation. It's the. You know, um, one of whom had her birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Mochi. Um, and, and they're just amazing people, I think, across the board. And I think it was, uh, um, I, it, it, it was, it was another um, member of, of the, the Alawani, we call it the Alawani family, um, that actually turned around and said, there's nothing better than, than to be able to give back to, to, to society by making sure that the, the, the orphans and vulnerable children at least get a, a a shot in life. And that's really what we attempted to do is just give them a shot in life. You know, when, when everything's been removed and we all, we actually take it for granted. We, we forget the privilege you have black, white, you know, Indian, whatever we like to like make it a big a story about it. But when you've got an opportunity um, to have uh, parents or someone who can take care of you to go to school, to learn, to be able to get to university or even to read a book, um, and, and to get a plate of food on, 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 on your table, that's privilege. And, and, and when we get a chance to do that for our kids in, in, in the Alawani Foundation in, in, in Limpopo province, you know, that's, that's hugely rewarding. So you know, for us, that's, yeah, that's And I'm glad you, you, you did also point out you did not father three and a half thousand children, just in case people are thinking <laughs> that, that. <laughs> you, you've helped. You've helped to raise money for them, and they do tremendous work. You can look them up on the internet if you're listening to us now, Aluwani, A-L-U-W-A-N-I. And uh, if you have the time or the inclination, maybe you can get involved too. So let's get to something I'm really excited to talk to you about. I mean, I'm excited about all of this, but this in particular, you know, advertising. You mentioned how you could rattle off the, the your five favorite ads when you were asked that, and You've, you've got a, an incredible, I'm just going to give a little bit of a boast here because if you did this yourself, they'd say you were a narcissist, but I can say it because it's an incredible achievement. So you got Ad Focus Agency of the Year while you were in, um, in Nahana. And it, sorry, this is at FCB, correct? Um, you're at FCB then. Large Agency of the Year 2016 and 17. Sunday Times Top Brand Agency of the Year 2016. You've been on the board for the Association of Communication and Advertising in South Africa and you've been deputy chairperson for the last four years. This is a huge amount of responsibility. And, and when you've done all these things, what people don't realize and what I think you know better than anyone is that if that's the standard, people expect you to always be surpassing that standard and always be 
leading the industry, making the important decisions, looking to the future. Um, are you feeling a bit of pressure with all of this behind you already? <laughs> um, sure. The pressure is more about the people that, that, uh, that, that, that went before us, you know, the, 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 the people that kind of laid the, laid the, the, the pavements that we walk on. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I, I've always felt that we have to take responsibility for, for, for where we are. Um, it's a bit like not wanting to be on your body corporate when, when you live in a complex or something like that. You know, it's about taking care of your, your community. It's about taking care of your neighborhood. It's about making sure that people are safe and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I entered the industry and, and with, there, was a, there was a huge amount of criticism. You know, there's a, there's a group of people that, that lashed out. Um, I stayed true. I didn't lash back. And, 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 and I appreciate the fact that the majority of them, not everyone, has, has actually acknowledged um, that you know, staying true to to self and, and and sticking with it, and also not making it only about race, but actually making it about what is in the best interest of the industry. Because you can destroy the industry in order to to transform or to try and make it about race, or you could preserve what we have, grow it, and and ensure that we've actually got something that is um, substantial enough to pass on to the next generation, but also a next generation that's far more diverse, far more um, included. And, 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 and again, you know, black women in particular, LGBTQ, we, we keep neglecting that when we just make it about race. So for me, the thing is to, to, to ensure that we, we have something sustainable, we keep, we preserve it, we grow it, and, we, and then we can talk transformation, diversity, equity, and inclusion. You grow the pie and then there's more for everyone to eat. But I like Correct. that you, I like, I really appreciate that you're so upfront and straightforward about that because thanks to the politicians, everyone is so scared and we'll get in a moment to how advertising might have changed too. But everyone's so scared to say what they actually think. Uh, and they end up be like pussyfooting around these things and especially in South Africa. And I've got to say, like, it's become, um, it's become a, a, a trademark of a lot of white people in all industries to just rather not say anything and, and try not to offend anybody rather than actually listening to what's really going on and saying what they really think so other people know where you stand. What you've just said is probably, to many people, a breath of fresh air and to some it's going to be, you know, how dare he say this, who's he to say that. The fact is you can only trust your gut. I mean, and you've seen this in practical experience. You've You've got the the life skills and the experience and the, 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 the hard and heavy lifting that you've done in, in advertising and in other businesses mm -hmm. to be able to speak like this about it. But it is difficult for a lot of people, right? No, listen, it's, it's very, very tough. And, I, and, and I, you know, my black brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm going to say this, we, you know, we argue and we fight all the time because, you know, I, I sit in a very privileged position to, to run a, a large group that has a significant portion of the of the of the total spend in, in advertising and, and media in South Africa. So it's a significant business and, and I get, I get, I get to play a role in that. And it's a lot. My responsibility though, is to grow young black talent. And, and I believe that the more black talent we can put into the business along with all the other talent um, and, and the more we can grow good humans that can do great work um, that are culturally sensitive, that understand the market can connect with consumers and, and make the kind of work that people love. That's the business that, that, that I'm responsible for. The challenge on the other side is, is for, you know, black owned businesses that are not given the necessary respect that I get, for example, because 
I have a title that, that, that comes with this, with this office and with this business. Um, so I recognize that the, the real struggle is for, for the recognition of uh, you know, black, yeah, black startups. Um, when I say black, I'm talking about the general term black, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's very difficult for guys starting up their own businesses um, on their own. They've built up credibility in the industry and, and still they don't get the, the credit that is due to them. And, I, and that I do appreciate. And when, when they do complain about it, I completely acknowledge that that's something that we need to fix. Um, at the same time, I'm not going to give up my business so that that business is, 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 is going to solely succeed because I've got, you know, five, 600 people, um, five, 600 black people that rely on, um, on us staying alive so they can put food on the table. Mm -hmm. So what is more important that they grow, become the best in the business, or we give that up in order to sustain someone else's business so that they could be rich. I don't know which one that is, but I know where my heart lies. And that's with my, you know, 700 uh, staff members, black, white, Indian, you name it, the whole, the whole bank shoot. I'm with them. Making money and having a successful agency and changing with the times is, is also a part of, of transformation. They don't, they're not mutually opposed. Um, Go for it. So, so I'm going to say this. I, I stopped using transformation as a term um, because I think it's become a catch-all for, for everything to do with just race. Um, yeah. And actually, it's, we've lost, we've lost the, 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 the true meaning of the word. Um, and, and now it's just about representation rather than actual inclusion. And I think we live in a very unequal society. So what I've, I've come to learn is we all have a responsibility to do the thing and address the thing that we are most, um, that, that sits in our blind spots. Mine is, 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 is representing uh, uh, or, or standing up for, for women. And in particular, the, 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 the worst off is black women um, and, and then the LGBTQ plus community as well. Um, those are in my blind spots because as a black man in a South African environment, I have actually got a lot of privileges, which, which they don't, well, those, those, um, those communities don't have. And I think that we need to fight for them as well to ensure equity and inclusion and intentional inclusion in particular um, in our workplaces and actually all over in our society as a whole. So when, when we talk about advertising and, you know, I don't want to hear what the trends are post COVID or any of that stuff, because I think we'll get back to normal, normal very, very quickly. Um, you can see it's happening all over the world and, you know, people have to do business and we need washing powder and we need, uh, we need, we need someone to collect the rubbish and we need, uh, food in our fridges and so on. So these things are not going to change fundamentally. What interests me though is that the tone of advertising has had to change. It used to be, uh, that you had to be funny or you had to be really heartfelt or clever or interesting. And some of those things still apply, obviously. But there's also a layer of stuff that you can't do in advertising that before you wouldn't have thought twice about. Now we have to consider a bunch of things, and it's a good thing that we have to consider these things that we may not have thought about before. You mentioned the LGBT community. You mentioned women. You think about the unique problems that face us as a society. And we can't be blind to these things and try to make a funny ad that ends up being at the expense of a certain community or ends up causing more trouble than good. And you know, clients, you know, clients, they, they can be very difficult about these things because they're terrified of putting a foot wrong. They'd rather not put a foot anywhere. Yeah. 
Yeah, so well, I mean, if, if if I can, you know, speak openly about it, and I think I'm I'm going to try to be a bit a bit provocative about it. I I think that we've. It's important to be conscientious, but it's it's and and being conscientious should not be at the the expense of being um, appropriate. So I, I think that you know one should always take heed of of the impact of what we're doing and and. The reason why people have, have such a go at advertising is that we, we we have this big cultural influence that that occurs. There's so many trends in in, in 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 culture that have actually occurred as a result of advertising, and a lot of people don't even realize it. The slang, the commentary, the way people talk, things like that, have often come out of advertising. It's come out of music. It's come out of a lot of other um, areas, but advertising does play an important role in that, and we need to be responsible with that as as a group of people. Um, but then on top of that, we also need to be the groundbreakers that, that, that break new ground to, 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 to create bridges, uh, to, to demonstrate to people what's possible, to, to give light to, to those that are not provided with the opportunities to show up. I think there's so many different ways that we can do good, actually, by, by using our power in the media um, for that as advertising, funnily enough. And, and that's where brands are starting to... Um, finally realize that, that the connectedness of a brand with real purpose is what will give people, the consumer, the connectedness with them. And, and this, you know, everyone talks brand purpose. And one of the things that really like irks the shit out of me, sorry for that, is, is, the, is the fact that, you know, so many people talk about brand purpose, but then they don't live the purpose. And yeah. I'm like, don't, don't talk about brand purpose. If your brand and the people who work there and your operations and everything about you is not going to live that purpose. If yeah. you are not, if you don't believe in, 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 in International Women's Day, then don't show up and pretend you're trying to sell a product on Women's International Women's yeah. Day. If you and don't believe in Black Lives Matter, then don't. Like it drives me crazy too that a whole lot of people feel compelled to have to jump on the virtue signaling bandwagon when we can all see <laughs> that really they're in the business of selling soap. You know, nobody sees. Everybody sees right through that, right? And the, the yeah, and that's the thing about authentic brand brand work. And 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 again, it's been very difficult for us to 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 represent that. And and we've struggled because the difficult the difficulty that people have is trusting that if they if they do that right, that they will succeed because it takes mm. time to do that. And there's often a, a, a time pressure. You know, you got these sort of middle managers, even senior people. You know, they, they, they're, they're effectively agents for a period of time. And that, that, that temporary agency that they've got is under pressure because they've got KPIs and numbers they must achieve. And so they will forego all of that, um, that hard work that needs to go into the brand in order to achieve the number. But what they're doing is actually longer lasting damage to the brand, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you're right. They hollow it out and they make it mean nothing. And, Correct. and, you know, you, you can either stand for something or you can fall for everything. And there are a whole lot of people who won't stand for anything in case they get drawn into an argument or some kind of social media storm. And ultimately, I think it's going to come for everybody. So better that you, you make, you demarcate your ground now and you say to people to hear and know further. And that's, this is, this is the beauty of where, you know, and, and I, I've loved how the courageous brands in the world have, have, have stood up, you know, the, the Nikes, um, the way they stood up to defend uh, uh, Serena Williams and Colin, and, Kaepernick. And Colin Kaepernick. And, you know, 
it's courageous for brands to do that. But in reality, it was actually a very simple thing for them to do it because they were living their brand, their brand purpose. Just do it. Don't think, don't try and overthink because overthinking is yep. just paralyzing action at the end of the day. The action that was required is to say, here's, a, here's an athlete that we support and we'll stand by them. And they've stood by them and that's what's, yeah. that's what's seen them through. That's such a valuable observation because really authenticity and credibility are at such a premium these days because they're so hard to find. I think there's a Billy yeah. Joel song that goes, honesty is hardly ever heard, right? But the, 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 the problem also is that advertising used to be smoke and mirrors largely and in, in a certain way it could get away with that uh, at that time in history. Nowadays, people want the honesty and, and it cuts both ways. It means that they also are going to say when they don't like something and it can go very yeah. badly for a brand if they if they they test the water wrong so the the and and you actually just uh steered this this conversation in, in exactly the direction of the difference between the way a brand shows up and the way a brand represents itself in in, in communications and those are they, they sometimes are, are are the same thing and sometimes are actually two different things and i think a lot of the, the problems that we've been having with advertising has been that it, it's been advertising that has been tone deaf, been culturally insensitive. It's actually, it's actually just advertising that a person who's not taken the time out to actually truly understand who they're talking to has, 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 has put on the airwaves. And I think that infuriates us. Like, there's nothing worse than seeing that kind of work out there when, when, it's, when it's tone deaf and, and culturally insensitive. And I think a lot of times... Um, people in the marketing space, the, the, you know, our clients in particular, they haven't spent enough time trying to immerse themselves in the cultures of their, of their target audiences and target, target markets. So, you know, that's, that for me is when you, 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 you're being lazy. And, I, and, and again, this is not the, the view of the entire agency. This is my view. I think lazy marketers don't spend time immersing themselves in the lives of the consumer. And I mean the lives of the consumer. I'm talking about getting down to ground, eating mukhodu, getting in there, going to the Chisanyama, checking it out, seeing how people live, getting to behind the scenes. Realize what that's all about. Yeah. yeah, try and understand the hardship of life. We all go back to our fancy houses and our fancy cars and we forget how life is really like and that we want them to buy our products. Why should they buy our products yeah. when we're being insensitive to their, to their lived realities? And that's, that's our problem. Yeah. We're just not dealing with people's lived realities and, and getting in touch. Um, from your mouth to God's ears. But at the same time, Tabang, advertising is still this really, really powerful industry. And people are excited by it. It's not all like serious things and having to worry about sensitivities and not doing something wrong or brand representation. It's also fun. Listen, it's... it's um. And, and, and now being in this position, I, 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 I was saying to the, the rest of the business a couple of days ago with, with, with quite a sad heart, um, I'm excited about the position. I'm excited about taking on this new role, but I was, I was sad to leave the, 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 you know, the heart of the thing. And, mm. and the heart of the thing is you sit in a room with a bunch of people and they just chuck a bunch of things that come out of here, out there, and they make it happen and make it real. There's something phenomenal about just being a part of that. The energy, the 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 the, the, the passion, and the you know, I'll tell you that advertising people get treated like shit in every other area <clears throat> you could possibly imagine. Which is why 
we can tend to be a little bit uh, inwardly focused in terms of, of slightly narcissistic, slightly uh, uh, self, self-praising. Um, you know, we love our own award shows. We love peer-to-peer um, awards and that sort of thing because, you know, no one else is giving us respect. But what I do love about the whole thing is, is, is just that, is, 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 you know, from the person who's carrying the paper that, that delivers the brief to the person that makes the work um, and then also, also the creative that comes up with the idea. <clears throat> it's just a phenomenal experience to be a part of because it literally is nothing. You have this idea that someone says, we would like to reach that group of people and you need to do it creatively. That's actually what they tell us. In reality, we don't need briefs. They just want to you know, get us, get that group of people to buy more shit from us. And if we make the best stuff in the world, they'll buy more shit. And then yeah. all of a sudden, this stuff pops out of people's heads. They make it. We put it out there. We shoot things. We, we produce things. Everyone's running around like crazy with energy. And it's amazing. And that feeling of, of accomplishment at the end of it, when you have a product that, 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 that you, you've delivered, and then to see people respond to it in a way that touches their hearts or moves them, literally moves them, like they'll put their hands on the shelf and then go, hmm, hang on a second, I saw that thing. Now put their hand in another product on the very same shelf because of what you did. That's phenomenal power. That's a phenomenal feeling to experience that. Um, I'm, I'm going to miss being in the trenches, put it that way. I'm going to have to walk the floor, as I yeah, was told. But, I yeah, do. Now listen, I mean, I know you're an accountant by training, but, but you're, you're different to the other accountants because <laughs> they've, they've ruined so many other businesses. The creative people and the accounting people are sometimes at polar opposites. Again, you're a man of contrasts because you're both the philanthropist and the businessman. You're also the guy who, who wants to, you know, like cycle through six countries to raise money for orphans, but you're, you're a guy who really understands the nitty gritty of the ad industry and those serious things that you have to take into consideration. The, the, the other big contrast is you're an accountant, you know, the, the bean counter stereotype, but you're also this person who has a real respect, understanding, and, and, and closeness with the creative folks. And you have to have that to be successful in your business. Well, I mean, listen, I, I, my sad truth is the, 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 the creative folk always look at the suits as, as the enemy. And I, and I have to say, for good cause, right? Because we've got we we to make sure that they toe the line. The, the, the idea can't be too big that the client can't afford it. It's, it's, it's those sorts of things that, that it, you, you create the guardrails and then, um, but, but the reason why I'm, I'm so excited about taking over from Brett is that, that one of the things that Brett keeps talking about is that you know, creativity loves, um, well, now I've just drawn a blank, um, constraints. Sorry, yeah. cre- creativity yeah. loves constraints. And he always talks about that. He says that the greatest creatives are the ones that work within the constraints of, of, of what they're required to do with what they've got to do it with. And I think that's just the ultimate version of it. The greatest creators will come up with the most simple idea that will just explode when you actually put it on paper. Yeah, I, I think you've just said it all. That's, uh, that's precisely what the best advertising agencies in the world, including the one that you're now in charge of, do the best. And um, you know what, Tabang, I could talk to you for hours and hours. We've, As it is, I think we've been talking for almost an hour. <laughs> and I appreciate your time because I know you're a very busy man. And, and I hope we get to catch up soon. And, and things are obviously back in the, in the full swing, right? I mean, you're not, there's no COVID holdups in, in your business at the moment. Everything's back in, in full energy. 
we well listen we we carried on delivering and and when the, just to just to put a, put it out there what what we did is we immediately closed the office and and we only opened them again uh physically on the 17th of of, of january this year um mm -hmm. and we have not demanded that everyone return to work we are slowly but surely you know asking people to return um what we recognize is that people have their daily lives and they've actually found a way to 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 work from home and and still deliver um, mm -hmm. But what's concerning, obviously, is that there are some people that have actually started to flounder without the structure that, that, that needs to be, um, you know, about being in the office. So, yeah, we wanted to make sure we took care of our people. A lot of people that forced their staff to come back a year ago, even, you know, back in 2020, we said, no, that's it. We're, we're, we're all about taking care of the staff first. Um, so, yeah, we still... We still there's only about ten or twenty people in this entire building. It's probably the most expensive per capita, you know, <laughs> cost that you could imagine. But, but but your your output has not gone down. That's it, and 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 that for us is what's been the the the, the incredible realization. So so we are really focusing on a hybrid working environment. What we want to do is reward people who have demonstrated that they work, um, you know, better in a in a flexible scenario. And then we want people to be mature enough to be able to look at themselves and say, I need structure. Right. Um, I'm in the office because I need structure. <laughs> I right. can't be at home. I'm going to be, I'll just put the TV on. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be writing stuff. I'll be messing around. I won't be working if I'm just sitting at home with no, with no structure. Sitting in my office here, having people in meetings, even though they're, they're online meetings, um, really has helped me get, get an immense amount of work done. And I think that's why I like working in the office. Other people don't have the same uh, the same the same needs. Well, I, I can only wish you luck going forward. Although I think you don't need it, uh, not from me anyway. Um, Tabang, it's so good to have you on, and, and thank you for sharing your time with us today. Oh, it's wonderful, and thank you so much, Gareth, as well for the time and and, and giving us the opportunity to talk. Um, I just want to say to all the Nahana peeps, um, all the businesses out there, and 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 everyone that get to see this, uh, love you guys. Keep doing me proud, guys. I, Thanks, I, I only echo that. That's terrific. And that's the group CEO of the Nahana Communications Group, Tabang Squambani. Uh, Very nice to see you, Tabang. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Cheers.